everybody. Welcome back to Pillow Talk with Mark and B, the podcast where we just talk. I'm Bean. I'm here with my boyfriend. Yo, hey, how's it going, B? I'm Mark. Panamark. Panamark, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're down in Panama, so I've officially legally changed changed my name to Panamark on all documents. All documents, birth certificate, yeah. everything, it's done. Yeah, a lot of them are, in fact, fake IDs, so I can just buy weed down here. No, wait. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird intro. <laughs> hey, B, how's it going? So good. Welcome to uh, Pillow Talk with Mark and B. I'm so happy. This is going to be an interesting episode. Yeah, this episode is going to be interesting. I feel like I don't have a lot of expertise in this topic. Well, you do, but it's something that I want to learn more about because I feel like this affects everybody. Like, I feel like everyone can name this person that we're going to be talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the goal. Before we get started, housekeeping. Housekeeping. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you can check out any social media, Facebook, Instagram, Pillow Talk, Merch, whatever. I, that's a weird Instagram social. <laughs> <laughs> all, of the, all of our social medias are in the podcast description below. Yeah, just go check us out. It shouldn't be hard to find it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and if you want to support the show, make sure you please go to Patreon and throw us a dollar. If you've been listening and you're up to episode 20 now and you still haven't supported by giving a measly one dollar maybe now's the time if you're getting some useful life lessons some useful information or even if you just like hearing me make a fool of myself <laughs> yeah you know if, <laughs> if you've had a conversation with somebody else and you're just like oh my god i listened to this podcast you should listen send us a dollar yeah yeah it really does help continue to you know encourage us to to carry on Absolutely. Yeah. as much as i love talking to you being i'll do it all day long you know it's just it's just a little monetary encouragement is yeah all. it's interesting as i was doing this episode i was like should i put things in leave things out whatever but at the end of the day this is a recording of our life and yeah. I like that it's all documented and... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have gone back and listened to the odd episode, just like, you know, it's late at night, you're sleeping, I'm like, well, I can't talk to her, I might as well <laughs> listen to her. <laughs> so here we are. Um, well, I guess let's give some life updates first. So yeah. we were in Panama City for two weeks. Yesterday, we moved to somewhere called Changuinola, which is on the Caribbean side of the of the country. Yeah, and it, it's like a completely different place over here, like... Uh, it's way less dirty, it seems like, and it's yeah. mountainous and it's green. We're not in a city anymore, so we're just surrounded by life. Yeah. There was an armadillo on our evening walk last <laughs> night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's amazing here. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it, it's. I truly feel lucky. Um, yeah. We are kind of learning Spanish. Uh, we actually, this week, we had met a taxi driver. He was super cool. His name is Javier. And... Uh, he did not speak any English yeah. at all. So we no. sat there for like six hours with him just doing Google Translate. And he was super into cars. He's got his taxi car lowered so <laughs> much. It was awesome. Yeah, it, it was such a unique experience. Like here we are in this other country talking to some dude that we don't speak the same language with. But like it just shows that, you know, no matter where you go, humans are all pretty much the same. 99% yeah. of people are just good people, you wholesome, people. you can connect with them, even though you don't speak the same language. Mm -hmm. And so that has been one of my favorite moments on the trip and like even one of my favorite moments in all of life. Yeah, like, let's talk about that moment because, well, first of all, we were smoking weed with Javier. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah, yeah. So we hadn't smoked in like two weeks. So, you know, it's nice to smoke a joint with this guy. And you actually slept. Like the, the, We don't, like, I don't... I like smoking weed. It's fun. It's whatever. 
you smoke weed so you can sleep. Yeah, like it is very beneficial. Like my mom, she can never sleep either. Um, yeah. Like it just is one of those things that runs in the family. And it's not even that like I am stressed out or I have anything on my mind. I, I Insomnia. Yeah, just insomnia, you know. Yeah. So um, you'll, you'll wake up at like two in the morning for two or three hours yeah. and then take naps throughout the day. But you finally slept that day. Yeah, so yeah. So, nice. so he smoked a joint with this guy. But basically like... We're, we're out in the middle of this country, like, in kind of a small town, yeah. and it was just, like, it was just peace. You looked around, and it was green. I got to climb this tree, and like I said, we're just talking to this random guy, trying to communicate, trying to bond, and we were. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah it was just so special. Like, yeah. it was just, Serene like... Serene and peace, and, like, mm-hmm. nothing in the world could, I don't even know, change how we feel inside. Like, yeah. the world could be crashing around us, but it was just this moment of just peace yeah yeah it was truly special amazing and to to date that's the moment of your life eh? no no not one of one of the very special moments that i am always going to look back to and be like that was a truly special moment oh i love that i love that um what else happened this week oh we missed we didn't talk about the van on the Letting Go episode. Yeah, a couple people uh, <laughs> messaged us about, what happened to your van? Yeah, I bought this 1974 Econoline camper van, <laughs> and uh, I was going to renovate it. I had started, we were looking at mechanics, and we were doing all this stuff to it, and it was really going to be cool. Yeah, and the plan was, we had saved up all this money, and the plan was in like November, the guy was going to call us to redo the engine so we could, oh yeah, because it didn't move. Yeah, it, <laughs> it was a buy. <laughs> And uh, so he didn't get us get back to us in November, didn't get back to us in December. He said it was going to be January. And then that's when we were kind of just like, wait, maybe we don't want to be in Canada for very much longer. Yeah. We have the money. Maybe we should just take that money and go on a trip yeah. and see Panama and see. Yeah, start exploring other places and see where we want to move. And then three and, weeks later, we moved. And then we're like, you know what? Any place is going to be better than Canada. <laughs> <laughs> so then, yeah. So, and this was actually one of the reasons that I was grateful that we didn't leave when we did. Because the day before we left, we found somebody who wanted to buy it. Yeah. So then it was nice. I was able to sell it. Um, it, I took a huge loss, so yeah. it was crazy. So I put like probably eleven half grand into this thing. Yeah. Like I bought it for four k, put like six k of mechanical work into it, and then I sold it for two. But when I started this project, I remember like some people were giving me looks like, "What are you doing?" Um, I just kept thinking, you know what? On my deathbed, when I look back at that, I'm not gonna regret it. I'm not gonna. Like it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't fucking matter. And Numbers on a page don't fucking matter. Absolutely. And if we had stayed in Canada, we would have used it all summer. Yeah, I would have fixed, fixed it up and yeah. got it done and whatever. But okay. it's just one of those things where it's like, was this the best financial investment? <laughs> Definitely not. But at the end of the day, man, I got some good memories with it and yeah. like, fun story. And absolutely, I don't know. It was, a, it was an experience that cost way more than it should have, but it was an experience that I enjoyed. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No, it was great. And then Lorehammer ended this week. Yeah, so my main show, uh, 100 episodes, we called her over. Um, yeah. There's, there's like, just, I, I was moving to Panama, and yeah. I didn't want to do Zoom calls. Yeah. Like, 
everyone can tell when people are in the same room like me and you there's this vibe there's this energy in the room and when you're listening you can pick up on it even on the last episode when you guys were zooming with graham mcneil there was breaks and pauses because you didn't know who could talk next and like you were waiting for that break and it's just not the same yeah it's just not the same and like i didn't want to yeah whatever you could go listen to lorehammer to hear my whole spiel on that but uh yeah like it's been such a crazy week like i've got hundreds of messages from people like just saying thank you for doing this show like like yeah like (laughs) i started listening when i was in the middle of a divorce and this just changed everything for me i could find a happy place a safe place yeah and man i it it was overwhelming like it was just like i started this thing not at all thinking I'd have any impact. Like, I remember when I first started, I'm like, yeah, if I had a 100 listeners, that would blow my mind. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I got a couple more than 100. But, yeah, it was such a cool week. And I I just made so many friendships, man. Like, yeah. so many connections. Like, that now I'm able to be down here, I, I'm keeping those connections going. 100%. They're, and, they're all online anyway. Like, yeah, that's and, the World Wide Web we live in. Yeah. I don't even know what to say about Lorehammer. I'm I'm truly sad to see it go. Yeah. Like if I was still in Canada, I would have kept doing it for a long time. Right. But yeah, it's just you know sometimes that's the way she goes. Yeah, and the goal was a community, and you built that. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, it's not like you're not going to not talk to any of these people. No, like I I I literally try and I take pride in saying that I respond to let's call in ninety five percent of people. Yeah, you know. Yeah. No, it's great. I'm so proud of you. It's. <laughs> I was like in tears listening to the episode because of how many and and watching the discord and seeing all these messages come in and just people that you touched and not even trying to like it's not like you got you started recording you're like okay let's target all the people who are going through a divorce today or like (laughs) that didn't even cross your mind just just living I don't know like the yeah I don't I don't know what it is I don't know number one fan right here so (laughs) lies (laughs) I'm so proud of you you're gonna have to fight like (laughs) At least 15,000 other yeah, people. Seriously, it's so crazy. They're <laughs> obsessed with you. I love it. I love it. Um, but let's let's get into it, shall we? Yeah, yeah. Let's get into the main episode. Let's uh, talk addiction. Yeah, addiction. Like, I should we Google what the definition of addiction is? Sure, let's do that. Um, in other episodes, I've talked about how I dated an addict. And that was... He... He stopped drinking a year before I met him. He stopped doing drugs. No, he stopped drinking two years before I met him. He stopped drinking a year before, or drugs a year before I met him. Um, But still very much had an addictive personality. Mm -hmm. Addiction is a brain disorder characterized by compulsive engagement in rewarding stimuli despite adverse consequences. A variety of complex neurobiological and physiological factors are implicated in the development of addiction. Yeah. So in layman's terms, people are not happy and they're searching for this release and let's call it alcohol, let's call it drugs. And then they get addicted to that release. Yeah. That feeling, that numbness, that escape. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, And I think that is one thing to note about addiction. Like addiction is usually trying to escape something or usually trying to cover something up. Like yeah, people are addicted to alcohol, but it's usually there's an issue behind it that they're trying to cover. They're trying to avoid. Trying in to life. avoid. Absolutely. Trying to do something like that. So, yeah, um, that's all I know about addiction. <laughs> so <laughs> um, it's interesting because when we did the drug episode, yeah. I had glossed over the fact that I don't really drink. 
Yeah. And then just kind of left it at that. But I actually have an alcoholic mother. The people that adopted me, um, so my aunt and uncle, she's actually an addict. She's an alcoholic. And so my story with re- with addiction starts way before my ex-boyfriend. Yeah. Um, but like you grew up with it, grew up around it? No, actually. So she was not, I think it started in like 2012, 2013. Okay. So I was older. I wasn't living with them at the time. Okay. It was only the stories that I was hearing from my younger sisters and some other family members and my dad. And so, and that put me in a difficult spot too, because I felt like, what can I do from a province away? And why is nobody there doing anything? Hmm. But we can get into that. Yeah, let, let, we'll, we're going to unpack kind of this story and how it's affected you. And then maybe we'll get into like some like ways to help deal with addiction, like some lines, like yeah. stuff like that. So though, there's going to be a little story time here, but yeah. we'll, we'll unpack it all. Yeah, so um, the first time that this had ever really come to light, I had gotten a call from my younger sister. And she was like very, she's a very well-behaved girl. She was always, she would make her bed before she got out of it kind of thing. Like Yeah, perfect posture. Perfect posture. Oh my God, <laughs> like, yes. Like, you could tell. She's very well-maintained yeah. and always listened to the rules, always did what she was told. And she went out of her bedroom one night, late at night, to get a glass of water, something she never did. Like she never left her room after it was bedtime kind of thing. And she walked into the kitchen and my mom was passed out on the floor. And my dad was working night shifts and he couldn't have his phone on the floor or whatever. So she had to call another aunt and they took her to the hospital and whatever. They told us that she had alcohol in her blood, but she said that she only drank one glass of wine. Hmm. So then it kind of, the doctors had said that she had thin blood. And so drinking one glass of wine was drinking like six glasses of wine. Yeah. So they proceeded accordingly. I would have proceeded with, well, maybe it's safer to just not drink wine. Yeah, if you're going to pass out on floors, maybe you should just not. Just not. But but hey. But hey, whatever. A good time, I guess. A good time. So a couple months later, she kept passing out and genuinely nobody knew what was going on. We had never been around alcohol. We had never been around addiction. We grew up in church, so it was just never something that we had yeah, seen. The, the church we grew up in, they had like a strict no drinking policy, like uh, people's on people on like the leadership yeah and like the staff and stuff signed contracts saying you yeah. weren't allowed to drink i don't know if they still do that and take it to that same level but that's that's kind of the environment we grew yeah. up in and the idea behind that was just like we're we're supposed to be an example for the people in the church so we're not going to even play with that yeah because it can get worse yeah exactly you know it's it's yeah yeah um so it they had like she was going to different doctors trying to figure out what was going on and they had decided that maybe it was gluten or just different things in the food. And so they changed out the entire food in the house. Like, and my sister, my sister hated it. One of my sisters hated it. She said that all the food was awful and whatever. <laughs> um, but that was just the MO. Like it was just, it, it's not alcohol. It's, and that was so, we weren't even thinking about it being alcohol at yeah. that time. It was just, what are we doing with your diet? What are we doing with this? What are we doing with that? Whatever. So she would just pass out and then, or get really tired and really groggy and like slur her words and then take a nap and then everything would be fine. Huh. And I didn't know enough about anything. So it just yeah. kind of like made sense to me. Like, well, if the doctors are saying it and, and to this day, I don't actually know if my dad went to the doctors with her hmm. or if it was just her coming back 
and saying that the doctors had said that. Yeah, that's going to be a reoccurring theme with, like, alcoholics is, you know, they fucking lie. Yeah. <laughs> They'll they say lie. anything they need to to try to just get past that situation. Protect themselves. Yeah. It's a protection thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So when I was 19, they came to stay at my house for a week. And it was for one of my cousin's weddings. And throughout that week, there were a, a few different things that I was just like, wait, red flag, wait, red flag. And I wasn't looking for it. Um, but one day she was, she had a Coke or whatever. And then my dad came home and she moved the glass of Coke from the, the main table onto like a side table and then put something in front of it. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Like maybe she doesn't want my little sister drinking Coke. Like, well, whatever. Sure, like, okay. I, she can have Coke if she wants. Like, I don't care, but like, whatever. <laughs> And then um, another night, she had come into my bedroom with my boyfriend at like three in the morning. And I initially was like, oh my God, that's so cute. Like she's checking up on me when she's home with me. And like, oh, that's so sweet. Then the day before they left, we had a big dinner and we had some of my mom's family over. And we had like a huge dinner. It was like ham and all the fixings and like, oh, everybody was drinking. And I actually thought it was fun. Like, I'm an adult now. We're all drinking together. Yeah. Like, this is fun. Like, it's awesome. Yeah, like, drinking is a great way to, like, bond with people around you, you yeah, know? Yeah, like, like, just kind of, like, let the tension go a little bit, yeah. just loosen up a little bit. You all kind of get on the same, like, level. You're all having fun, yeah, dancing, hanging sure. out. Like, it was great. I It was nice. Then but. everybody <laughs> had left, and we were all watching TV downstairs, and my dad went upstairs into the kitchen. And my mom was like, I don't know, cleaning and stuff and whatever. And then my dad went up to the kitchen and he he was like, Bethany, can you come here for a second? And I was like, fuck, like, can I get in trouble in my own house? Like, it was just that, like, that tone, you know? Uh. And I was like, shit. So I, like, slowly walked up the stairs trying to prepare myself for anything. And my mom was sitting on a chair with her head all the way back and all of her arms like out to the side and she was completely passed out in the middle of my kitchen Yikes. sitting on this chair and I was like I didn't I I had no words I didn't know what to say I didn't know what to do so I just said hey girls do you want ice cream <laughs> and then I got them out of the house sure yeah yeah and that was my first thing I'm gonna go somewhere far enough so that they can have ice cream in a play place and then my boyfriend can deal with this essentially <laughs> So they did, they, they got an ambulance to come and whatever, and her blood alcohol was high and whatever. Then I realized that there was probably Coke or there was probably alcohol in the Coke that she had moved. Mm. And there was, she, she probably stumbled into my house or into my bedroom drunk. And at the beginning of that week, again, I don't really drink, but I do like Caesars. And my ex at the time really liked to drink. He's from Ontario, so it's just like a thing they all do. <laughs> and so he was always making me Caesars whenever I'd want to. So the week before they came, he got a two-six of vodka. And after they had left, I was like, oh, I was a week and a half. Like, holy shit, let's, <laughs> let's drink. Yeah. And so he went to get me a Caesar, and there was no alcohol. Gone. It, the entire bottle was gone. Hmm. And so then I was just like, like maybe she was drunk and stumbled into my room and maybe blah 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 yeah 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 so I called my dad actually no my mom's sister-in-law had called me and was like I think there's something wrong with her like she was sneaking alcohol when she came to my house like she would put a little bit of alcohol into the juice and then um like scramble if somebody saw her or like yeah. there's something wrong with this there's something wrong with this so I called my dad 
And uh, he was like, no, like there's not an issue, but I'll talk to mom. I'll talk to mom. And then a couple days later, he was like, so I talked to mom. There's not an issue. She's not an alcoholic. Like, I think you're reading into things a little bit too much, but we have taken all the alcohol out of the house. Hmm. And so I was kind of like, well, if there's not an issue, why are you doing that? Like, what yeah. are you, why, what are you doing? Like, yeah, like I can keep alcohol in my house all day long. And I don't have an issue. So and like, it was very confusing yeah. to me and very, like, he just kind of like shrugged it off. I, I think in some situations, like you just want to see the best in your partner or the mm-hmm. best in your child or the best in your friend that, you know, it, you almost want to make the excuse. Yeah, it's not that big a deal or. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And yeah, like he, <sighs> I think that there's like an embarrassment element to Maybe it. Maybe even too. that, sure. Like where it's like they were leaders in the church and they can't she can't be an alcoholic. Like you're supposed to have your life together and you're supposed yeah. to look a certain way and there's this image thing and whatever. So it was weird to me and I felt kind of shrugged off, but it I didn't live with them and they said that it wasn't an issue and now the alcohol again gotten taken out of the house. So it didn't matter that yeah. much anyway. Yeah. So she kept passing out and it's still like, nope, she'll just take a nap. It'll be fine. It's fine. It's fine. And then finally the day came. I was dropping off, <laughs> I was dropping off weed for somebody and my dad called and he said that my mom had passed out in the bathroom at work and she was being brought to the hospital. Her blood alcohol limit was three times the legal limit. And so I guess what she had been doing was she would go home for lunch and then drink and then come back to work. Yikes. And she passed out. So, like, she had enough alcohol to pass out in the bathroom. And she worked at, at work. a bank. Whoa. Like, this is a corporate place. This yeah. is, like, what the fuck? A very serious environment, yeah. What the fuck? So mm. I was like, yo, she's got an issue. Like, what are you guys doing about this? Yeah. Where's the rehab? Where's the counseling? Like, what are you doing about it? Yeah. Now, the company wasn't allowed to fire you. Like, if you've got an alcohol problem, they can't fire you for having an addiction. Hmm. But they can give you time off where you would go and deal with the addiction. Yeah. During that time off, um, she ended up finding another job. Once she started working again, um, there was a lot of drama in the family and her parents had said that my dad was super controlling and was putting labels on her and she wasn't an alcoholic and Hmm. her, or he was the reason that she was drinking and all this stuff. Sure. So she ended up leaving my dad. Yikes. And I don't even know how many people know this because it was brushed under the rug so fast. It was, it was crazy. Like it was crazy. And so one of my sisters moved in with her, the other stayed with my dad, and I can't really speak to my sister's experience, but I saw one of them become more of a wife-mother type role, Yeah. and the other one just kind of scrambling. Actually, I think she was more like, I get to do what I want here, and there's no rules, so I'm going to go with mom kind of thing. Yeah. So when she was living on her own, she had rented some basement suite or whatever, she started working for another company, and yet again, passed out in the bathroom at work and lost Mm. that job as well. Yikes. So I was like, what the fuck? Like, what's going on? What are you doing about this? Yeah. Meanwhile, my dad took her back. (sighs) And I think in my mind, I don't know if this is true, but in my mind, she wasn't happy with you. She left and then could no longer afford not having you. So she came back. Yeah. Like, that seems like the very surface level thing. Yeah. But like... 
but I was super pissed. I was like, yeah. Dad, like, protect yourself. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you doing for yourself? But then... And your children. And your children, yeah. And my dad is a... Like, he's the best... He's the best guy I know. He's the the pinnacle of what I wanted to marry. And he was always... He def- defended me and protected me and showed me what a real dad was supposed to be like. And so mm-hmm. I hold him in very, very high regard. I very like very rarely question what he does like he's very smart he knows what he's doing whatever you know what even if she's back at the house at least you have a better better eyes on her sure fine whatever so when she lost that job um moved back in but still kept passing out um my dad had been heavily policing her at this point but nobody was saying that she was an alcoholic so i guess what had happened was she she would go to the store buy something and then take cash out and then use the cash to buy the alcohol. So it didn't show up on the debit card. It Uh-oh. didn't show up on the bank statements. And... I've I've done that with Warhammer before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Are you serious? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> the crack addiction? What do you call that? Plastic crack, man. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. But, yeah, like, um, yeah, so she's hiding it still. And she's Very much hiding and... it. Being sneaky, like... But I don't think he put that together until, like, much later, that that's how she was doing it. Um, So I kept pushing rehab. But again, I was a province away, and nobody seemed to care that this was also affecting me. Like, it, yeah, like, it just, I don't know. I was too far away to really be in it or understand or whatever. Yeah. But at this point, I was with my ex who had addiction issues. And so it all of a sudden did become very personal for me, where it was like, you cannot come to my house at Christmas and pass out on my floor. Yeah, because now that can put a thing in... In my relationship yeah. and strain my issues. And yeah. he kept seeing me, like, break and break and break sure. about this. And it was one of the few times that he was incredibly nice to me about that kind of stuff. Mm. Like, he would just hold me and let me cry and be there for me and whatever. But for my own sake and for my family unit at that point... I was like, you can't keep doing this. Like, I can't keep hearing about you not wanting to fix this. Like, you're perpetuating your own problems. You're not doing anything about it. So I need to do something about my life and how this affects me. So at that point, I was like, here's my line. I don't want to talk to you until you're 100 days sober. And I have this blog. And even now, every time I see it, it's so sad. I would write 100 and then, like... 50 days later, I would cross it out and then rewrite it. And then 30 days later, cross it out and have to rewrite it. And it was just constantly like, this is never going to happen for me. It's never going to get there. Yikes. One of my sisters called me one morning and she had been giving me updates kind of like periodically. And she had said, mom drove us to, to school drunk. Huh. And she does that a lot. And so I was Pissed. yeah like yeah like what the fuck yeah you're yeah there are some things you that are just not acceptable ever 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 even no if you want to drink it. do not get behind the wheel and do not put your underage children at yeah. risk to do so yeah just and again this is like this whole facade where it's like no i'm not drunk i can drive no problem yeah, yeah. like she's got to you know fake it till you make it you know yeah at this point and i'm not sure who knows about this but we're here for honesty i actually called social services on them And one of my sisters asked me about it, and I think I lied to her at the time. But, yeah, fuck yeah, I called social services. Yeah, like, that's a serious concern. Like, your own father should be stepping in for you. Somebody needed to do something about this. 
And I don't know what happened with that. I kind of wiped my hands with it. Like now the authorities know and at least somebody's got eyes on this that isn't just my dad or her family or whatever. Um, But it wasn't until she finally got a DUI and her car was impounded. She lost her license. And at this point she had lost two jobs until rehab was kind of in question sure but rehab's expensive and whatever they wanted to do a christian place which was more expensive and blah 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 blah. makes sense yeah (laughs) makes sense um so eventually she went to rehab i knew when she went to rehab but i she still needed to be sober for 100 days yeah she had eventually sent me an a message like a letter like a typed out email but she stuck in a letter and then sent it to me And it had said, like, I'm sorry, I'm sober now, blah, 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 blah. But then I called her and I cried. Like, I just, uh, even now it's so hard to talk about it because, like, I just wanted my mom. Like, these were the people that took me in and gave me that family unit. Yeah. And it was all crumbling. Yeah, and you don't want to not see them. But at the same time, to stand by and not do anything. Yeah, like, I I will never enable somebody. Yeah. I can't. I cannot, I cannot, I cannot. So at that point, I was like, I just want my family back. I want my sisters. I want my mom. And most of all, I needed my dad. So it was kind of like a year later where I just kind of like, I brushed it under the rug. We never talked about how it made me feel. We never talked about her passing out in my house. We never talked about what that might mean for the person I was about to marry. It, it almost sounds like it just went back to hiding it. Like it just, oh, never happened. But like these you, things happen. And these like things happen. to push things under the rug, you don't deal with it then. Exactly. To not be honest, you're not dealing with it. Exactly. To the, not, yeah. Yeah, there was just no conversation. It was yeah. like, well, now she's not drinking, so let's just pretend that it was never an issue. Sure. But once you're an addict, you're kind of always an addict. Like it's an easy coping mechanism to just drink or do drugs or whatever it's it's or to go to church and hide it under there or now i'm i've joined the choir and so every thursday night i'm doing that now instead and like it's very easy to just sweep it under the rug yeah um but it wasn't until like a year after all of that that everything really just it kind of came to light and it kind of came to a head with me so um my ex's dad had a heart attack. I was alone in the house for months. I had broken up with the ex. I had moved three times. I was living in random houses. My car was broken into. My dog had to get surgery. I had gone to BC seven times that year because I just needed my family. And it was like eight hour trips each time. Yeah. Both ways. Yikes. They didn't come to see me once. And that wouldn't have been an issue. But every few weeks I would hear, oh, we're going to go down to see the girls, which was an eight hour drive as well. Yeah. Because one of them had a bad week. And sure. I was like, yo, I've had a bad year. Like, where the like, fuck yo, have you I, been? I was married and now I'm not. Like, well, I was going to get married, I mean, and now yeah, I'm not. Like, where yeah. have you been? Sure. It was during 2020 that she relapsed again. So, and this again directly affected me because my little sister had called me and was like, mom's drunk. She wants me to drive. She wants to drive. I don't want her to drive. Maybe we should get dad here and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know what to do. She ended up coming to Calgary for two weeks to stay with me and I was like I'm not rich like I and I I eat very differently than she eats <laughs> so like it was just a, such a different world and yeah it was crazy yeah but it very much affected me the issue and I want to make sure that I'm including this is that everybody in her group my dad the church her sponsor 
said that she was still two years sober. The slip-up didn't count. It didn't matter. It didn't change anything. <laughs> no. She's still sober. No, be honest. Fine. People need to fucking be honest. And yeah, like the, there's actions and consequences. Yeah. Like my consequence was that I just forked out 3K to have my sister here for two weeks while you pretended like nothing happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's, and, and you're just, now my sister's damaged. She's sitting on my couch crying and trying to get away from you and trying to, I'm trying to play counselor and therapist and big sister and, and, but just kidding. Cause I guess you're still, I, it's I, not, you're not struggling right now. Like it's okay. Like, yeah. Ugh. It, it was, it's, it's just enablement. And yeah. again, shrugging it under the rugs and pretending like it's not thing. And mm-hmm. it's crazy. No, not actually dealing with not it. Not actually dealing with things. I, I don't know her very well, but I guarantee that the alcoholism is not actually the problem. Yeah. There's something deeper emotional, something else going on that yep. she is covering with the alcohol. Yep. And until that's dealt with, going to keep relapsing going to have to keep dealing with this type of shit and if she relapses every year or every two years and you guys just pretend like it's not still an issue yeah like it's just never gonna like it's never gonna get dealt with exactly (laughs) it's crazy and then again these kids are being put at risk because of this yeah it's not just you and my dad it's not just it's these kids well like even like just just throw out a crazy idea like i have um i have I don't know how he's related to me. He's an uncle's son's nephew's brother, whatever the fuck the connection is. But basically, he he was an alcoholic, and he was cooking dinner, passed out, almost burnt down the house. Ugh. Yeah. Like, if you're passing out all the time, it's not safe, even if you're just doing mundane activities. Yeah. And that's another thing. I think there's, like, levels of alcoholism where you sure. can be a functional addict, you can be a functional alcoholic, still go to work every day, still whatever. Um, and then when you get home, that's when it like really, instead of five before work, I'll have 10 tonight kind of thing. Sure. But she was not a functional alcoholic and it showed. (laughs) Yeah. Um, now last year, and this is kind of like a side swipe, but it goes to the story. Yeah. Last year, um, one of my sisters got married and this was really big for me. I was very excited for her. I had just ended my relationship, so I was excited that she could start one and, like, be new, be fresh. I thought she was very young, too young to get married, but I'm happy for her. She was she was happy, and that's all that I cared about. Yep. And um, about a month or two before the wedding, I was asked to plan her bachelorette party, which was weird because I wasn't even in the wedding. Hmm. And, huh. and I mean, like these, they're like, she's 19 or she was 19 when all this happened. So all of her friends are like, not like, they don't know how to do it. They anything. don't know like, life. They yeah. don't know anything. Yeah. So it's not like they could plan it. So after I planned the bachelorette, I got a call a few weeks before the wedding and she had asked me to be in the wedding, which was it very, it's hurtful. It was very hurtful. Yeah. Because my dad told me that she felt bad that I planned it all even and did more than her bridesmaids and all that. And because they had all bailed, now I got a spot. Yikes. Yeah. So whatever. Fine. Whatever. Um, But three weeks before the wedding, everybody in my family was calling me, telling me that it was a bad idea. They shouldn't get married. They should wait. Um, he was like talking about abandoning her and leaving her in, in, in Castlegar for the summer while he go, he went and did his own thing in Lethbridge and like, everybody was like, B, you should talk to her, you should talk to her, you should talk to her. This pissed me off because I seem to be the only one who's 
willing and able to communicate how I feel. Well, yeah, like it, it ties into like how how she's drinking and just like sweep it under the rug, let somebody else deal exactly, with it. Exactly, like... because then I became the bad guy. Yep. Everybody could get mad at me for doing, for doing or saying something and not them for telling me to do or say yeah. something. You're not the bad person for calling social services on your drunk mother driving people, children around. You're I not the bad person. I would do it again. Yep. Absolutely. And, yeah. And my father should have. Somebody should have. Somebody directly in that should have yeah um but yeah like it bothered me because like you're the parents you should be telling her don't make me the bad guy because you cannot communicate effectively like no so after you and i actually you were there for this you were here for all of this um after we drove eight hours to go to the wedding we were kind of completely shafted so we weren't involved in the wedding didn't get to be there the day that she got ready um the bachelorette party didn't end up happening anyway because of covid but nobody had told me that apparently i wasn't in the wedding anymore either jeez <laughs> it's <was> so awkward <laughs> so then after this i was all just like okay like either tell me i don't matter and let's drop it or tell me i matter and act like it but it kind of correlated all back to actually no we're just gonna keep going so Eventually, um, something happened with my cousin, and I sent a group message to the, a group chat or whatever, and directed at one of my other aunts. And that other aunt and I had been talking extensively about all of this stuff. We were all on the same page. Everybody was on the same page. But my mom called me, not knowing about these other conversations, and started yelling at me. And she was like, uh, like she well, she just started yelling at me. I'm not even going to get into it, but. I had basically said, like, yo, I'm not a child. You cannot, you cannot talk to me like this. So when you want to have a productive conversation and actually speak to me like adults, you can. And then she hung up on me. Three weeks later, we had posted about the van and we were all excited about the van and blah, blah, blah. My dad texted me and was like, oh, I want to hear about it. I didn't know you got one. And I was like, wait, where the fuck have you been? Like, you can't just come at me when I get something exciting happening. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then he told me he knew about the argument, um, but he wanted to give me space as if I've ever wanted space. Um, yeah, yeah. You want to talk about it. You want to solve the I problem. I always want to solve it. Yeah. Always. Yeah. So he told me that he did hear about the argument and that my mom told him that I started screaming at her and that I was like that my mom had said, nope, when she's when she wants to talk to me like an adult. Uh, she can talk to me like an adult. And da, da, da. She literally took the words out of my mouth and spun it so that she wasn't yeah. in the wrong. And I was like, what the fuck, dad? Like, and you just believed her? Yeah, like, have you ever heard me raise my voice? Like, I know it, I haven't ever heard you I raise your voice. I don't scream. I don't get mad. I yeah. don't, like, it's crazy. So um, I was pissed. I was like, so you're just, you're just going to believe it. But then on my end, it's like, these people are married. Like, he has to live with her. So, yeah. of course he would believe it. And maybe he should, and I guess. But it was just such a hurtful dynamic and hurtful, I don't know. So, I was like, this is crazy. Like, I can't do this. And he was like, we can talk about this in therapy. And I was like, how How are we going to talk about it in therapy if you're not even talking about what actually happened? Yeah. Like, and have you ever gone to therapy? Like, I live in therapy. <laughs> like, that's not how this works. Like, no, no, no. So then I hadn't talked to them in months, but um, Google Memories, like Google Photos or whatever, had popped up pictures of my sister when she was in Calgary for for the year before, the few weeks from the year before. And so I texted her and I was like, oh my God, 
this is awesome. Like I'm seeing all these Google memories pop up and I miss you. And like, how are you? Yeah. She texted me back and said, Hey Beth, listen, I don't really feel comfortable talking to you right now. I know you're in a bit of a fight with mom and dad and I don't want to take sides, but I feel like it's weird that you've contacted me in forever or you haven't contacted me in forever. And now you're reaching out when you aren't on speaking terms with them until you sort whatever you have going on. I appreciate that you and I didn't talk either. Sorry if this hurts you. Hmm. And I was like, first of all, shocked. Like it hit me like a Mack truck because so unexpected. So blindsided. So I didn't know that my parents were talking about this with anybody else. I wasn't. Like, it was private between me and my mom and dad. Like, I had no idea, and I wasn't going to my sisters to pick sides, and I wasn't telling them what was going on because it wasn't any of their business. Like, yeah. what I was feeling was between me and my mom and dad. I was feeling all of this rejection and and abandonment from, like, I have all of these, like, I was so lonely last year, where were you? Yeah. And I needed you last year, where were you? And it was just all these feelings that had nothing to do with my sisters. So I was very confused when I got that because, like, what the fuck? Then yeah. I told her, I was like, well, you are in fact taking sides like, and not being honest about it, yeah, which is pretty manipulative. Yeah, because I'm sure you're still talking to them. Exactly. <laughs> and she said, this is something I need to do for my mental health. And as soon as you put those words, like, so wait a minute, all the shit that you're hearing, because it's not from me, is affecting your mental health? Yeah. Like these people are lying to you so that you'll hate me and affecting your mental health. Meanwhile, I'm like, I lie to people so that they like them, so that they <laughs> accept them, and so that they don't judge them. And sure. like, it's, it was so surreal. It hit me like a Mack truck. And I was like, holy shit. Like, there's so much going on here. And, and in my mind, it's like, of course, my mom is going to stick to her story. Like, now she's lied. It's happened. She yep. can't just be honest because that's not what addicts do. Like, yeah. she's got it. She's going to continue to build this whole thing up and make it seem way worse than it is and way different than it is. Yeah. Pull in my sisters, get them on their side, all that stuff. And I was just alone here trying to unpack all of it, trying to deal with all of it, trying to love them through this while protecting myself. And it was just nuts. So... At that point, so yeah, so they skipped my birthday, didn't message me, didn't anything, didn't acknowledge anything, and then, and my birthday's in August, and then they got a random, I got a box for Christmas, random, out of nowhere, I hadn't talked to them in months, Yeah. and there was a card that said, praying for your healing, and that's it. Yeah, 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 it was the most impersonal Christmas card I've ever seen. It was like a slap in the face. It was crazy. And guaranteed if you actually worked for this healing if you were involved in like don't pray to god god's not going to call me and say sorry or acknowledge yeah. that you're an alcoholic or Fucking like christians they, they do this all the time they just like, pray instead of dealing with it like oh i pray i get a new job just go get a fucking new job yeah i pray that i make money well go, go make get some money, money. Like, like i pray for your healing what are you doing to contribute yeah. to my healing yeah that you caused yeah. you hurt me you should fix me. Yeah. Don't leave it to God. Oh, it just pisses me yeah, off. Yeah, that one was a that was a tough one for you. It pisses me off. Now, all of this, like, didn't really, like, I mean, she's been an addict for years, and I've been kind of swept under the rug for years and years, and so it didn't really affect me. There have been things happening lately around addiction and all of that stuff that kind of brought all of this back up. And then they know that I moved to Panama, but never brought that up either. So... It's yeah. like, there's just this huge separation. And I mean, I, I told them this myself. I was like, either act like I matter or be honest that I don't. Yeah. And that's fine. Like 
whatever. But what I was ignoring was the fact that they were being honest. Yeah. Not texting me is a text. Like, yeah. if he's not that into you, believe <laughs> him. Like, yeah. They didn't want to come to Calgary to see me. They didn't want to, they didn't want me in that wedding. They didn't want me, they did want me to be the bad guy, but they didn't want me around for any of the other stuff. And yeah. I kept ignoring that and pretending like it wasn't happening and pretending, pretending like I mattered and that it was just, I was ignoring the signs. I was ignoring exactly what they told me and wishing for the best, Yeah, which is a dangerous place to be. Yep. Like it's very hurtful and it's very, and I was doing that to myself. I was ignoring the signs and hurting myself in the process. So that's where we kind of like, how do we cope? How do we, how do we now deal with this abandonment and rejection and all of that stuff? Because she's an addict. There's yeah. no, there's no malicious thinking in her head. Like, it's not like she's like, well, let's fuck up B's life today. And yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That. Like, it's not like that. She's trying to protect herself, yeah. protect her alcoholism, protect her life, protect her secrets, which is what the alcoholism is masking and all that stuff. So yeah. my line was just that she needed to be sober for a hundred days. Once she hit that, we could talk about it. But I wasn't very clear because to this day, we have never talked about it. Yeah. We just talk. Like, yeah. You know, and like it's... nothing happened. Like nothing happened. Um, can we jump back to this one line you wrote? Yeah. Uh, you wrote, I used to think that sending long paragraphs showing them how hurt I was would make them love me more. Yeah. Um, but like, here's the thing with people, and the sooner most people realize this, the better, is you can't control other people. You... You can't send messages and hope that they're going to change. No one is going to change or do anything that they don't want to do. It doesn't matter how many nicely worded letters. It doesn't matter. You can matter. pray for them. You can send them to rehab. You, you can, can cut the family off. All that kind of stuff. But ultimately, it doesn't fucking matter unless they want it for themselves. Exactly. Like, and I think that too. Like, I think part of me was like, well, I'm going to cut you off if you don't get sober. She and doesn't I, fucking care. She, doesn't, she did not fucking care. Yeah. And there. it hurt getting that response because I wasn't ready for that response. I wasn't, oh, oh, yeah, it was rough. Yeah. But Um, so know your lines, you were saying. Yeah, know your lines and boundaries. And I think it's important, like nobody talks about how awful you feel when you start setting boundaries Yeah, and how lonely you feel. And like, am I being selfish? This isn't normal. I want my parents. Am I wrong? Am I a bad human? Should I try to be more understanding? Yeah. Like all of these things. I felt shame for doing what was best for me and my family unit at that time. Like I felt like maybe I don't love her as much as I need to be loving her and maybe all of these things. But it comes back to, it doesn't matter what you do. If somebody doesn't want to change, if somebody doesn't want to put in the time, doesn't want to do that, they're not going to, it doesn't matter what you're going to do. It doesn't matter the boundaries you said. It doesn't matter the notes you said. Exactly. And at the end of the day, I was not going to be somebody who was enabling her. Mm-hmm. And so if it meant that I had to be out of the picture, fine, I'll yep. be out of the picture. But I will never, ever, ever enable you. I'll never say it's okay. I'll never make up excuses for you driving drunk with your daughters. I'll never make excuses for you leaving your husband and losing two jobs all for alcohol. Like, no, I'll never, I'll never do it. Yeah. But I needed to remind myself that like, she's got her own shit and she's miserable. Obviously. Like you think it's fun passing out every night. Yeah. That's not the life she wants. No, it's never been. She's like, she's so it's, she's the kind of mom who has always, like, if it's Valentine's Day, she'll make cookies that are themed. 
Yeah. And like her Halloween cookies and treats or whatever, they're always so extra. Yeah. And she's like, she's the kind of mom that's like, there's always cookies on the counter, fresh baked cookies. And I just made bread for everybody. Yeah. She's and very soft and gentle and like so funny too and, and stuff. And yeah. Like her ideal world would be like a little cottage in the middle of butt fuck nowhere with like a gas or I mean a wood stove and dad cutting the trees and like that's, but, she just wants the simple life. And yeah evidently stress doesn't do well i guess (laughs) um but it's important for me to remind myself that there's no malice like she's doing what need she needed to do to protect herself yeah and everybody else being affected by these negative you know actions or negative whatever doesn't it does not cross her mind she can't see that she can't see past her own i need to protect myself i need to cope i need to get out of this i need to like she just can't yeah she can't I also think that it's important that until you start seeing rejection as liberating, you'll always fear asking for what you want. Like rejection is someone letting you know that they're not for you. Rejection is life making space for something that is. Yeah. Yeah. And you said it's liberating and it is when you cut those shackles of people that are just dragging you down. Yeah. Where it's like, I, I can't keep hearing about you drinking with the girls. I can't keep hearing about you passing out. At, at in the middle of the day i can't i can't so if you can't do what i need to do to protect myself then maybe we're just not compatible anymore like maybe you guys got me through what i needed to do to get me through and that's it yeah and like clearly obviously you're like eternally grateful for what they've oh, done yeah 100 but also at the same time like just because somebody does a nice thing for you doesn't mean you have to put up with the shit that they do. Exactly. And I think that, like, this is kind of something I struggle to. And I reached out to people in the Discord, but nobody really has an answer. And I think maybe that's the answer, that nobody knows what the fuck. But there's <laughs> always these, like, this rejection. And, like, I've always wanted a mom and a dad. Yeah. I will always want a mom and a dad. We're We're wired for that. It's biology. It's nature. It's people have like this just innate need for maternal care yeah 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 it's 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 in us and part of the reason that's in us is just so you know we look after each other exactly because the family is all you have and i mean everybody you hear you see on tiktok all these people with these great relationships with their parents and these like amazing family units and all this stuff and like even with your parents love your parents and they've taken me on as their own and i mean there's iris and she's taking me but it's still a missing yeah. hole and yep. it will never be filled unless it's with them. Like, yep. and that's, it sucks. And it's, I haven't, I haven't heard yet a way to deal with that other than to just replace them and find different people. Yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't negate the fact that I miss my parents. You yeah. Know? It's yeah. weird. It's a weird place to be. No, I, that makes perfect sense. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's weird. But I don't know. We, we, always deal with problems that the the way that they're shown to us how to deal with so until someone else someone else shows us another path somebody on the discord actually mentioned this and it's true like i did not know how to deal with my birth dad's anger yeah until i started reading books about it until i started unlearning that behavior until i started unlearning the coping mechanisms and there's this thing on tiktok and it's talking about how like for you to leave the abusive situation, you also need to unlearn your coping mechanisms. Hmm. So I used to be very hard and very like, didn't let anybody in. I'll tell you exactly what I think you need to know and nothing else. 
now I'm like an open book. Like, take what you want, judge what you want. I don't give a fuck because I know that part of it's going to help you. And part of it's going to help you process whatever's going on in your own life. And like, it's very, very interesting. Um, but I talked to somebody who's dealing with, like, she's married to an alcoholic. And I was like, can you tell me how you deal with it in two situations? So the first being when he's drunk and angry and he's not being very nice, blah, blah, blah. Like, you obviously can't change him in the moment. He's drunk. What do you do to cope internally, peacefully? Like, how do you get there? And the other part of that was when he's drunk and finally telling you what you want to hear that he loves you and being soft and being emotional. And, and that's oftentimes like the only times that alcoholics are emotional with you is when they're drunk, hmm. which is devastating in itself. Yeah. Like you shouldn't need to be drunk to tell me that you love me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to read out what she wrote to me because I think honestly, everything in here is fucking fire. I cried reading it. I told her she's a badass. I love her. She's great. So she said that she's definitely nowhere near perfect at practicing all of these, but they're very, very, very important. And she's been talking to different, um, like different addicts who have been sober for 30 years, different counselors, different pastors, all this stuff. So she says, focus on what I can control, which is the serenity prayer. Do you want to pull that up quick? I, I know it, but I don't know it. Maybe not. <laughs> um, but yeah, focus on what I can control and realize there's a lot that I cannot control. The serenity prayer is... God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Yeah, huge, huge. And so in my mom's instance, it's like I, I'm, I'm a province away. They don't care about how I feel about it, and I can't pull the alcohol out of the house. Like, I, I cannot control it. Yeah. I can control how I respond to it. Yeah. And that's all I can do. Yeah. Um, the second is work on yourself. Being a healthier person brings everyone around you into a healthier place because your energy is contagious. Yeah, like uh, energy is a weird word. Who knows what you want to call it? But like you can pick up on people and like you when you walk into a house and it's dirty and cluttered and you're picking up on this like, okay, this is off compared to when you walk into like, you know, a house, people are laughing and smiling. Like, yeah. Yeah. Even when you walk into a room and you know people have just been talking about you sure. and there's that like tension and that awkward that's energy yeah. that's like you can tangible yeah like. and like energy somehow once again who knows what you want to call it but it somehow draws the similar energy and basically yeah i i believe like yeah make yourself a better person and then you will attract better people yeah and that's not to say that you're going to change the person that you're with yep but it'll make you better it'll make you feel better and that's the only thing you can control yep um, don't expect things from the addict that they can't give you. You're setting yourself up for disappointment. Man, do I relate to this one. Disappointment mm. after disappointment after disappointment where it's like, okay, well, maybe if I get social services involved and maybe if I tell my dad that she's an addict and maybe if I tell my dad she's hiding alcohol and maybe if I tell my dad she's dri driving drunk. Like, he didn't do anything until she got a DUI and the car got impounded for a sure. month. Like, yeah. how far do you have to go to see that there's an issue? Yeah. But... I can't, it was just so much disappointment because I was expecting things from her that she was not ready or willing to give me. Yep. Um, build a support system. This one's huge. And be careful who your support system is because mm -hmm. at that time, mine was my ex who was a full-blown addict and just no longer doing the drugs. Yeah. Like, you have to be careful because his lines and his limits 
were something that I could never have used with him. Hmm. He kept telling me to do things and set boundaries and blah, blah, blah. But if I did that to him, he would have lost his fucking mind. (laughs) Like, no. So be careful who you're going to support for. And, like, if you've got somebody in your life who's been sober for, for, well, 30 years or whatever, that's probably the guy that you want to talk to. Yeah. Somebody who can relate to both you and the addict. Um, If you're the wife of an addict, talk to somebody who's been the wife of an addict. Like, don't just go to... A pastor who's never had a drink in his life yeah exactly like you, exactly. you have to find somebody that you can yeah. really like relate to and find that kind of support like and I'm nothing against pastors or anything but like unless you've been in the house in 3 a.m. when the addict is throwing shit around and there's screaming and crying and whatever yeah, yeah like for me like I, I, I can give the right answers in this episode but like I don't I haven't had to deal with it. exactly so it doesn't have that like there's the textbook answer and yeah. there's the relatable answer exactly and i can give you textbook answers for sure but yeah. yeah no it's important yeah and i think too when you're looking for the support to some degree you need to like they need you need to acknowledge that you are feeling this and you like somebody who has never gone through it can't say that what you're feeling is normal sure but you're feeling it yeah so it's it's happening it's normal for you it's your normal so Find somebody who can, like, really dive into that with you. Um, The next was faith, journaling, prayer, and meditation. I don't know about the faith and the prayer part, but... Yeah, faith to me is pretty dumb. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I'm not going to put faith in things I can't have tangible things. I don't know. It just seems like placing money on a lottery ticket, hoping, putting faith that you're going to win it. It's like, <laughs> nah, I don't know about that one. But journaling, writing down your thoughts, I, I, I know that's very helpful. Yeah, even um, when we have people write in to the show, like they're even just getting it all out and yeah. putting it on paper and acknowledging it, and it's huge. Yeah. And I was actually talking to somebody this morning about writing it down and looking at it a year later yeah. and looking at the lessons and looking at your thought process then and yeah. how much has changed and how much you can relate to it. Yeah, like even just imagine for us, like journaling, podcasting is kind of my yeah. form of journaling. Like just imagine two years when we go and listen back to this and be like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, we've that might have been a little off, yeah, but like we've grown so much about. And, yeah. Yeah. And I actually, yeah, sideswipe on that because I, I think it's so important that everybody is honest with how they feel in the moment even if two years from now i'm like a full-blown christian and like i don't know anti-drug or whatever in this moment this is important to me in that moment that will be important to me but i can't deny who i am now because that's the only way i'm going to get there sure in the future sure um but yeah meditation be with yourself sit with yourself figure out what you need what you want listen to yourself meditate like be able to sit in a room with yourself Mm -hmm. and talk it out um six have a mentor someone who is has been in your situation understands the struggles and can speak positively into your life for this person it was her mom because Mm -hmm. her mom had also been married to an alcoholic and had dealt with it and all that kind of stuff so somebody who yeah you can relate to who's close to you who can speak into your life who you trust who you admire all that kind of stuff this next point I really like. Uh, yeah. Number seven, have fun, live your life. Yeah. Like, man, you just, 
You cannot put your life on hold because the yeah. addict doesn't want to get sober. And you can't have a pity party over it either. Like, yeah. that's not going to do anything. You sometimes just got to move on and realize there's a thousand good things out there and I'm just going to focus on them. And, and I got my if, own life to live. Even if you're living in the same house in this, like, marriage with this addict, like, you can still, let's take the kids out. Let's go to the zoo. Let's make memories. Let's whatever. Yeah, yeah we're going to have to come home to it. But the kid's not going to remember that. They're going to remember the zoo. Yeah. Live your life. Yeah. Don't let the addict stop you. Um, the next, this is interesting, very important. Love the addict. Realize that they're trapped in this sickness and wouldn't choose it if they had felt that they had the choice. This one has been the hardest for her. She's detached without love a lot of the times. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like even for me, this one is, is a hard one. Like, I'm pretty black and right, white, and I'm pretty, like, if you're going to say you're going to do something, you're going to do it. Like, yeah. And I don't, unfortunately, have a lot of sympathy for people with addictions. And it's partly just because I haven't been through it, so I don't understand. And, like, I know it is a mental illness and stuff, and I mm -hmm. hear stuff like that. But at the same time, I always just come back to, like, just don't fucking drink. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, it's so, interesting, yeah, it, too, it's, for so. this one, I feel like love the addict. With my mom, I struggle with this. But at the end of the day, if she texted me tomorrow and actually wanted to have a conversation, I would be here for it. Yeah, yeah, A yeah. hundred times over. Yeah, where, yeah, once again, for me, it's like, yeah, I just don't quite have that same compassion, that same love, and maybe that's something I got to work on. Mm, there you go. Write that down. Um, set boundaries and follow through. Yeah. This is so fucking important. The follow through. The yeah. follow through, the follow through, the follow yeah. through. Again, I could tell my mom every day till I'm blue in the face that I'm not going to talk to her if she drinks. If I keep talking to her, yeah. she's going to know that she can continue to push yeah. me around and manipulate and lie and yeah. it's bullshit. It's bullshit. Follow through. And I, yeah. so it's important when you're setting the boundaries, set it for what you need, not for what you think they want. Sure. Again, you think they want because yeah. who knows what they actually want or need or whatever. Um but you have to do this follow through because you're not going to be happy if you if you do. So set the boundaries that you've thought about, you've written down, you've talked to people about that are reasonable, that are reasonable for you, that make sense for you, yeah. and absolutely follow through. Yeah. The next and last one is don't focus inward or obsess about your addict. Help others and focus outward. Yeah, once again, it comes to you, you fucking can't control them. Yeah. So... Don't waste too much time obsessing and like, are they going to drink? I got to make sure this is that, this is that. Like if they want to find a way to drink, they're going to find a way to drink. Exactly. You know, you it's... can't just, you can't get yourself wrapped up in it. Yeah. So if you continue drinking, I'm not going to pay for this house for you to live in. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Like that's it. And in my mom's case, she left <laughs> because she would rather drink than get sober. Um... This is, so those are the kind of coping mechanisms, but she also sent me a few things that I think is so important, so I'm going to read it. Um, some mistakes that she has made. Um, rage, retaliation, criticism, stonewalling, joining in partly just to be part of his life. There's judgment, condemnation, detaching without love, self-hatred, self-blame, blame, self-sabotage, um, sabotaging the relationship and then numbing herself emotionally. Yeah. And sometimes even through substance herself. Sure. 
Um, the one word I just Googled in there was stonewalling. Um, mm -hmm. And the definition of that is stonewalling involves avoiding conversation or refusing to talk to somebody. So just basically, yeah. Yeah, silent treatment yeah. or even, yeah, yeah. Um, my biggest coping mechanisms, once I had made all of the other mistakes enough to realize that they just hurt us both, was distance, both phys physical and emotional. The problem with that was I was just shutting down emotionally and uh, to a great degree. And after a year or two, I realized I couldn't feel anything at all. I was just closed off emotionally. Learning to detach with love is something that I'm just now trying to understand. I'm going to say this to that point. Like, I feel like a lot of people, especially guys, have cut themselves off emotionally. And um, there are ways to kind of bring you, to snap yourself back into emotions without like, I, I don't even know how you do it naturally. But for me, it was mushrooms. Like, I had cut myself off emotionally from a lot of things. And then I, I did some magic mushrooms and it literally just, Flick that switch in my brain where now I could feel things again. Stuff that I had deep down that I did not want to deal with. Yeah. And I don't recommend going and doing yeah. mushrooms all willy-nilly. In Canada, they're they're doing uh, therapist legal sessions with magic mushrooms now. And, yeah. Uh, so there are some spots. And that's to talk about like PTSD and stuff like that. So yeah. in a lot of those cases, people shut off emotionally because if they add a little bit like, yep. I just got home from the war with my kid and I want to cry because I'm so happy. But whoa, I can't because all of my brothers are back there dying. So yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't be happy. I can't be anything like that. So they just get angry and they just build it up inside of them. Yeah. And, or they just completely shut down. Or shut down. And uh, yeah. So that's a little thing that I found in my personal life. If, if you are in that kind of like emotional rut. Well, my first go-to would be go talk to a therapist. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you start throwing mushrooms like, down here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to be in the right spot for it. And 100%. you always got to know what you're doing with these substances for yeah. sure. And I, I don't take them lightly yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But go to a therapist and say, yeah. listen, like I haven't actually had a real heartfelt conversation with my spouse in two mm -hmm. years. What what do I need to do to be more in line with my emotions? Yeah. And cry in front of your therapist. They don't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> do yeah. it. Be, like, and it's always weirded me out when people are like, wait, you say that to your therapist? I'm like, yo, I'm paying them 120 <laughs> fucking balls an hour. Like, I'm, there's no way I'm not going to give them everything <laughs> because they need to know everything in order to help. Yeah. So absolutely, like, be 100% who you need to be in that, yeah. in that session. Um, the next, uh, oh, so her partner has never been an angry drunk. A few times he's gotten rude or mean, um, and she just left. Arguing does not help because they're not rational when they're drinking. Yeah. And really when they're not drinking, when they're in this addictive state and like denying that there's an issue and all yeah. that stuff, they're not rational. So reasoning with them is like talking to a wall and yeah. it's only going to frustrate you. Yeah. Um, when he is under the influence and giving me the attention I've craved. So this one's a hard one for me. It really, really is hurtful. I try to be sensitive of his state of mind, especially that he's vulnerable. And I try to listen, but I do have a wall up. I don't say much. It's, it is hard to listen to the things that I want to hear finally being said and to know that it's not going to be real the next morning. So I don't engage for an extended time. When I leave, I feel super sad and kind of icky. Hmm. I thought it was interesting that she said icky because I... If I'm reading that right, like, just dirty. Like, I don't want your your emotions that you can only give to me then. And I don't yeah. I don't want to engage and get as much out of that as I can because that's 
not honest. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm clawing at something that's not real and it's not true. And yeah. now I feel like I'm icky. Yeah. It's very interesting. Um, some mantras that she's got. Never let a lie slide. Simply call it out. Yeah, and you don't even have to be rude about it, but hey, that's not true. Yeah, like, uh, actually, you had 17 beers yesterday. Actually, you did drink. You're not two years sober. Exactly. Um, don't create a crisis, but on the same end, don't prevent a crisis. Hmm. So if mom's just drinking at night, the girls are at, I don't know, church camp or whatever for the week. It's just her and my dad, and she's like, hey, listen... Well, I don't think she should be drinking. She's an addict. But if there's an issue, like, okay, well, let's let's not call the police. Let's not call Scotland Yard, all that mm. shit. Like, yeah, like, deal with things in a calm manner because, yeah, you don't want to try to – you don't want it to escalate. Exactly. Um, progress and not perfection. And this, I want to – like, this is more about the wife, the sober person. Like, there's progress. It'll never be perfect. There's no such thing as perfect – It'll, like, the, whatever vision they have in their head, it might not ever come true because it's another person's life deciding that. Yep. So get that out of your head. Progress. That's it. That's what you're looking for. You're not looking for perfection. Hmm. I think I struggle with that one, too, because it's like, you know, it, yeah, it's like if you mess up, it's like you messed up. Just don't, don't mess up anymore. Just stop messing up. Yeah. Just, just fucking stop it. Yeah. Be better. But, Be better. It, you know, it's hard. You it, it, you got to allow for some grace for... Well, and with addicts, it's hard, too, because yeah. one counseling session is not going to change it. Exactly. When you go to detox one time, you're not going to change it. If yeah. you go to rehab one time, like, that's dealing with you and the chemical addiction that you have to alcohol. That need that you need... But it's not dealing with the issue of why yeah. you started drinking in the first place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's so, so, so important. Um, another thing is I didn't cause the addiction. I can't control it and I cannot cure it. hundred mm -hmm. percent. I didn't cause my mom's addiction. It's her inability to deal with whatever's happening on the out or on the inside. I cannot control it clearly. Yep. Neither can social services, neither can my dad, neither can my sisters. And I absolutely can't cure it. Yep. That is all something that the addict has to take ownership of, yep. be honest about, and deal with themselves. Yeah. And I think if you're dealing with somebody with these addiction problems, you gotta you gotta be honest with yourself and just sometimes you just gotta fucking let it go. Mm -hmm. Like let that person go or whatever, because you can't do anything about it until they wanna do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. And forcing them to do it, and it's just... Doesn't matter. It's not going to It's not gonna work. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. If they wanted to, they would. Yep, exactly. So... Um, honor the alcohol. Oh, so here's some goals that she has for herself. Um, detach with love. And this is something that she's been really working on, where it's just like, I still love you, but I don't need to be here for this. Yeah. And I'll still accept you as the father of my kids, mm -hmm. but I cannot be present for this. Um... Honor the alcoholic. Recognize the beauty of their humanity and the pain of their brokenness. This was really interesting because, yeah, humans are flawed. Yeah, everyone is. We all have our issues. Yo. Yeah, nobody's like, perfect. And there's incredible pain going on yeah. that they would have to waste their life away by being drunk. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. And so incredibly sad. So honor the alcoholic. And then speak life to yourself and to them and this all goes back with like you get to control yourself 
You get to decide what happens with your life. You get to decide how you communicate to others. Don't don't suck life out of people. Don't suck life out of yourself either. Sure. Like be positive, love yourself, love others. Now, the crazy thing, the crazy part is I can know all of this, but even tonight I got more accusations from the alcoholic over text, and right now I want nothing to do with him. It's not fair, it's frustrating, I want to be left alone and have peace, but he's in my life for good. I can't even block his number because of our shared children. So I have to make a way through, and if I want to be the best person that I can be and develop as much as I can for myself, I have to come to a place of peace despite whatever garbage he throws at me. And really, I need to know how to love him and forgive him regardless of my regardless for my own sanity. It doesn't mean that staying it doesn't mean staying in this toxic situation, but at the end of the day, even if I can run away from this situation entirely, the lessons I still need to learn will keep popping up until I learn them. And this is very very interesting. There's kind of a few things I want to talk about. Um uh, if I truly want to be the best person I can be, I have to come to a place of dis- of peace despite whatever garbage he throws at me. Yeah. That, I think, is like, they're angry and they're drunk and they're drunk. They don't even know what they're saying, let alone what they're trying to communicate to you. So don't take things to heart and don't, like, you, who you are is not affected by whatever angry words he's throwing at sure, you. Sure, sure, sure. 100%. Yeah, yeah. People have called me all types of mean things because I've said some jokes, but I'm like, yo, that's not who I am. Yeah. You don't know me, man. And it speaks more to that person who's saying it than you. Yeah. And often I've, like, <laughs> I watch all of these, like, videos on narcissists and all that stuff, and it's like, pay attention to what the narcissist is accusing you of because it's more than likely a confession. Sure. Yeah, yeah. What like, it, projecting, people man. Project. People project. So what are they saying? Listen to that because that's what they're struggling with. Yeah. It has nothing to do with you. Well, maybe a little bit, but like they're and they're telling you because you can hear it. You can take it. You can like they think of you as somebody who might be able to fix that. Yeah. So listen to it. Yeah. Um there's still so much for me to learn. The amazing part is or the amazing part is right now in my journey I can see how far I've come because I was incredibly unhealthy to start. I'm proud of all the things that I've learned over the years and the steps that I've taken. The fear of having an empty sad life is completely gone. The fear of confronting toxic behavior that I'm no longer willing to accept in myself and others is gone. I'm aware of certain behaviors I still do that are harmful and I'm not afraid to look deeper at them to figure out the root or to make amends where necessary. I'm not perfect, I'll never be, but I'm making progress. I'm starting to accept that even and even love myself for who I really am, not the person I thought I was years ago before I got married and before I was married to an alcoholic. Not the person who broke or not the broken person who came to the surface and lashed out all over the place when I realized I was living my childhood nightmare. Not the martyr I played when I was lording my self-discipline over the alcoholic, but the person I am is a person doing her best, forever a work in progress with a lot of love in her life and ever and joy and growing joy in her heart. So this is like, I read this and I cried because I'm so fucking proud of this person who has, yeah, come from this place where it's like, I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm in a hole. I have no control over my life. I don't know how to fix him. I don't know how to make my child's life better. I don't know to her being like, all I can do is control myself. So I will. I'm going to look at my shit. I'm going to, if he tells me that I'm an asshole, I'm going to look at why. 
yeah, I wasn't nice that time. So where did that come from? What were the roots of that? What were, because she can't make him not be an alcoholic. Yep. He will always have addiction issues because it's an easy way to, to deal with what you're struggling with. Yep. But like fucking kudos to her. Yeah. I don't know who this, who wrote this, but like, there's a lot of very, very powerful things in here. And uh, yeah, even just for me reading it, there's a couple of things where it's like, yeah, I got to work on that. I got to work on that. Yeah. So, so thank you for having the courage to write this in. I, I don't know how you get, I don't know where you get these messages from, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's helpful. And it just goes back to like, when you're actually having, being open with who you are, what you're thinking, it does impact people, you know, truth comes through. Yeah. And so for me, it was like, mom, why are you being my mom? It's, it's, it has nothing to do with her being an alcoholic. It's my desire to have fucking parents. Yeah. Which, to a degree, is their responsibility because they took me in and said that I was part of their family. Yeah. Yeah, you know? But over time, that's changed. I'm incredibly independent. I didn't live in the same province as them. I didn't need them for the same things that my sisters needed them for. Like, yeah. But that was me. Like, I needed to figure out what I wanted and what I needed from them and what I was angry at them for not giving me and... Like, I can't change them. I yeah. have to just cope and change myself accordingly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for sharing your <laughs> your, your story. It's heavy. Um, it's crazy. It's heavy. Um, yeah. In, in my life, like, I haven't had to deal with any of these things. Like, like we're saying, my parents didn't even have alcohol in the house. Not because yeah. they had problems, but just it was never there. Yeah. Um, like, even me, I've been drunk twice in my life and yeah. had maybe a couple drinks here and there and beyond you hate that it. you don't have the taste <laughs> yeah yeah it's not for me but uh yeah so i've never really had to deal with this but over the last little bit um my family has an alcoholic that we are having to deal with now and mm -hmm. there are some tips in here that yeah i need to be better at some of these things yeah um but also like like some of these things of just being a little more compassionate a little more understanding a li little more forgiving mm -hmm. um but at the same time, some lines have been crossed and it's like, I'm not going to just be nice to you. You can't just pretend like the things that are happening aren't happening because yeah. you love them. There, there's that fine line where it's like, no, I'm going to call you out on your shit. You did things to me that were not cool, man. Yeah. So when me and you uh, decided to move to Panama, we called a family meeting together mm -hmm. and uh, we're, we're just telling everyone like, yeah, this is our plan. Like maybe you guys want to come, like maybe we could just move the family down here. Like Canada's fucking falling apart, yo. We don't need to get into that. But like, <laughs> I was basically like, you know, we we're just telling them and my one uh, guy didn't come. My one brother didn't come. Yeah. And then we went over there afterwards and we talked to him and this is what he said. He's like, oh, I thought you were just getting engaged. That's why we didn't, that's why I didn't come. And it was just like, so you would face. rather just hang out in your fucking garage drinking than come celebrate? And like, it's unfortunate that I was married once before. Yeah. And like, so it's not like the first time, big news, but also like, it still is fucking huge. Yeah. And the fact We're not that engaged right now, by the way. No, 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 no. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was just one of those things where it's like, okay, so I see where you're at. And fuck you. Yeah. Like, okay, here's my, here's my, uh. It's incredibly hurtful. Yeah. It's just like, okay, no, I'm, I'm done with your shenanigans. Yeah. Um, so here's something I'm also working on. Like I, I need to work on my own lines and boundaries. We talked about like, know your boundaries. So when you get close to those boundaries, 
you already know when you can adjust. Yeah, like when it's not happening, figure out what your boundaries are. Because exactly. Because when it does happen, you want to know what your boundaries are. Yeah, both good and bad. So like... For me now, I've put boundaries on them. It's like, I'm not going to talk to you, man, until you're better. Like, I don't fucking care. Like, get your life in order. Be better for you and your family. What does better look like and, to you? And that's the thing I'm working on. Like, I don't know. And I'm not going to tell him what my boundary is mm. either. Like, I don't want him to have to aim for something because that's right. not fair to him either. Right. But at the same time, I need to know and I need to have a spot where when you reach X point, I am now ready and willing to welcome you back as a brother. Yeah. You know, as... Or even open it, that conversation and... Yeah. yeah, but it's just like... I, I And I'm not sure what that line is yet. Yeah. And... We've been may, talking about this a lot this week, actually. Yeah, but it, it, it just... Know your boundaries so when you get close to them, you can either adjust or when you cross them, you're like, no, 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 no. I will not let that yeah. happen. Actually, it's interesting. It's just popped up for me, but... I've been very careful to be like, well, what do you think your boundaries should be? What hurts you the most in this? And then let's come up with a boundary that's, but not once have I ever said, well, you should do this. And it's yeah. because my ex had been like, nope, cut them out. That's what, that's what the addict needs. Yeah. And so I did. Hmm. And it was fucking brutal. I was so sad. I was so lit. I didn't want to cut her out. Yeah. I wanted her to get sober. Yeah. And so I was making boundaries that were more what he wanted or what he thought he would have needed at the yeah. time. Yeah. So it, that's a weird one. Like, yeah. yeah. I don't know. We all have these relationships that we're all trying to navigate. And there's never a perfect solution. And the same solution isn't going to work in every situation. But yeah, absolutely. it's something that I'm putting a lot of thought into of just knowing my lines so they don't get crossed. Yeah. But everybody on but the also, Discord who messaged me, send me what your boundaries and lines have been. Yeah, both good and bad. Like, uh, like for you, you had a boundary that was like, okay, when you reach 100 days, that's kind of the path to redemption. Like, yeah. you want to have that path to redemption. You want to have that, the the you want to have the line on the left where it's like, if you cross this, you're out of my fucking life. Yeah. And you want to have the boundary on the right where it's like, if you if you somehow make this. Now you're back in, you yeah, know? Yeah, like, let's have a conversation. And now that you're not drinking and now that you're not passing out every day, we can actually start talking about this. Yeah. And Yeah, so I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Whatever. It's interesting. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about was um, addiction is a crazy thing. Like, it, it, it is like a chemical thing. It is something that, like, people, when they're in it, they don't see that they're in it. Yeah. And when I started smoking weed, I smoked a lot of weed, like a lot of weed. And I was very aware, like I, I, I had a bunch of conversations with you. Like, I'm like, yo, am I addict? Like I'll wake up and smoke a bowl like right away. Yeah. And like it was podcast so, life. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, I, I, yeah, it was just something you to had do. Free time. I had free time, but it was just something where I, I was super aware of like, am I, am at what point Am I actually an addict? How do you cross into that addict line? Like, no yeah. addict wants to admit they're an addict, so am I just not admitting I'm, I'm addicted to weed? And yeah. There was one point, uh, Joe Rogan, he does this thing with his friends called Sober October or whatever, so mm. I jokingly did it too. And then <laughs> day one, I smoked weed because it's like, I had nothing like, better to do. What the fuck? Like, why are we doing this? Yeah, sober? I was like, whatever, <laughs> I like weed. But uh, so we moved to Panama and I haven't smoked in two weeks. It's not like I've had withdrawals or anything. There's the odd time I'm like, oh man, I wish I had a joint right now. But yeah, it's like, like last night we were sitting at we we're sitting outside in this like beautiful countryside. There's yeah. the the animals, we can hear all the crickets and like fucking armadillos walking by. I would love to have a joint. Yeah, yeah, it would have been so nice. And yeah, basically I 
I kind of came to this conclusion where it's like, well, if I'm asking if I'm an addict, I'm probably not an addict because an addict is covering that shit up. Right. And then coming here, it's like, okay, I've gone two weeks without it. I haven't snapped at anyone. I'm, yeah. I'm not going out of my way, putting myself in dangerous situations to try to find it. Right. Or like, right. yeah. So just yeah. a lot of that message we got from that person was like, look inward, always be looking inward. Like all you can control is you. So make sure you know what you're doing and you're in control and you're And sometimes looking inward, you can't really see. So ask somebody, sure. like go to your spouse and like, hey, do you think I have a problem with alcohol? Like I know that we sure. drink together every night, but like, do you maybe want to not drink for a week and see what happens? Yeah. Like, yeah, ask I, your partner. I, I asked you a whole bunch, and you're yeah. like, no, I've seen addicts, you're fine. Yeah, I'm like, relax. oh, are you just saying that, though? <laughs> but, like, it was something I'm, I, I was aware of. Well, I mean, we got yelled at a few weeks because we were, like, addicts. And, like, there's a lot of <laughs> external parties that might have an opinion that actually sure. have no idea. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, like, it's you have to be very careful about who you ask for these opinions from. Yeah. And and also, maybe, maybe this isn't the right thing to think thing to say but not all addictions are bad maybe that's not the right thing to like say plastic crack yeah i think to some degree people are addicted to religion sure out uh, yeah sure. 100 and that's that's not a bad thing like you're if you're if you're doing it right and not like crazy i think every single person i know is addicted to their phone sure ex yeah but it also provides a lot of benefits but it also can it's take away from kind of you know being in the moment i think yeah when you go into the chemical balance yeah phones give you this like dopamine hit yeah 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 they're specifically designed when you see that like button you get that hit when you like, see that mcdonald's m oh dopamine baby <laughs> yeah oh god dang um but yeah like it's your body like what kind of hits of dopamine are you getting and from where? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the inward thing. Like, mm. what really makes you happy? What At what times are you just like, oh, yeah, like, this is happiness. Is it alcohol? Because you're probably not all that happy. Yeah. You're covering something up. If you have to get drunk to be happy, yeah. really look at your life and what you need to change so you don't need the alcohol to be happy. Yeah. yeah. And if it's your marriage, then maybe fucking talk about it. Like... If it's your job, fucking do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is all new stuff to me. Yeah. Um, if you guys have any feedback, any input, let us know. Like, what are some, some ways that you've coped? Have you been addicted to anything? When did you know you were an addict? Yeah. How just, did you get out of it? Was it forced rehab? Was it just people letting you do your thing? Like, just come talk to us. Yeah, I'm very, um, very, very curious. Come and sit on my bed. I'm tap in the pillow come lie in between me and b and just yes. talk to us and we can just talk just and pillow talk with mark and b yeah <laughs> yeah and i'm like i feel like i still struggle with this like i still yeah and that's i was so happy with everybody reached out on the discord and like gave me their insight and all that stuff because i i still struggle with it i still feel like did i do something wrong and did i did i leave too fast did i whatever but yeah like i don't think i did it was their it's very much their choice to not do anything with me and that's fine yeah but now i'm like okay well how do i deal with that kind of rejection like i i don't need them i'm perfectly capable of surviving without them i have for years yeah but i still there's this desire or whatever for parental units so yeah. what a, it's very interesting so i'm very very interested to hear everybody's side because that's the point of this i want perspective yeah exactly yeah so email us at pillowtalkwithmarkandb at gmail.com or yeah. on Instagram or the Discord, of course. Yep, exactly. Um, well, I think we're going to wrap this one up. Let's wrap it. Yeah, we're, we're just in Panama and we're sitting looking. We're in this mountain community 
and we're just looking over this valley and there's some nice cute little houses and it's just green everywhere. Mm -hmm. So the reason I say this is, you know, I'm gonna go enjoy life now. Life. Sober, yeah. without anything, just get our dopamine hits from nature. Yeah, man, whatever. Beautiful life. Oh God, I'm addicted to nature. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I can't stop sleeping outside. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for doing this with me, babe. Yeah, um, yeah, no, I love it. Um, it's very therapeutic. Yeah, it is. And I hope too, also, uh, I like people cope in different ways. One of the ways I cope is humor. So mm -hmm. if you heard me make an inappropriate joke or something, yeah. I just cope with humor. Half the shit I say, I'm just trying to make myself laugh because it's a dark world. <laughs> dark, <laughs> so, dark world. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us, B. Love you. Love you, babe. Thanks, everybody.